Hello everyone and welcome back to Commodore Conversations. With me today is Brian Bailiff of Gulf Coast's Visual and Performing Arts Division. Professor Bailiff received his BS in Environmental Design from Auburn University, a Master's in Library and Information Science from the University of Alabama, and an MFA in Scenic Design and Technical Production, also through Alabama. Professor Bailiff, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Great. And so, um, the question that I've started uh, with for these interviews with faculty members is is just ask you to describe for our listeners just a little bit of the nature uh, of your work here at Gulf Coast. Um, sort of primarily what are the courses that you're teaching, if you're involved. I know you are involved in many things here at GCSC. Uh, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Um, if you want to keep it more course specific, it might be interesting to just kind of hear key components of those courses or just sort of what students are spending their time uh, doing in those classes, but really just anything, if you could just provide a, a little introduction of, uh, of your work here. Okay. Well, I teach uh, in theater and entertainment technology, primarily on the entertainment technology side, which uh, when people ask me, what is that? It's basically all the stuff you never see um, on the backside of film and theater. So we build the sets, we faux paint them to look like different treatments. So a lot of times it's a piece of luon and we paint it to look like marble. Um, we do you know a little bit of carpentry, a little bit of welding, a little bit of electricity. Um, for this show, we're actually doing a little bit of plumbing because uh, there's a water fountain on stage. Um, but we also uh, have courses that we teach in uh, live sound. So if you want to think about kind of setting up bands, um, getting the instruments uh, plugged in and everything hooked up and uh, running live shows. Um, we do rock and roll lighting, so not only theater lighting, but if you take like my lighting one design class, uh, sometimes the final exam is uh, we bring in a, a band, a local band, and every student will design rock and roll lighting for one of their songs. Oh, that is so cool. So it's fun when that works out for a final, final exam. Yeah, what a unique assignment. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you're really teaching these students skills right how to how right. to actually put a show on. We, we focus on on basic skills so uh, the majority of our students when they come in they have no experience with power tools maybe they've used a cordless screw gun but not even necessarily that so oh. we jump right in with safety training um, and getting them up to, to up to beat up to skills for yeah. uh, for different aspects of mostly carpentry for the first year yeah there's probably so much that goes into any you know most productions that Maybe our, our regular listener out there just would have no idea. I had no idea you could do what I do for a living um, until I, I was in graduate school, actually. Uh. Um, I don't know where I thought sets came from. I used to go to the Alabama Shakespeare Festival with my school trip, you know, every year. I, I don't know. I thought maybe somebody ordered them out of the catalog. Uh, I had no idea that you could do this for a living. And there's actually a, a lot of jobs out there uh, in design and in being a technician. Wow. Yeah. No, and it sounds like you've, you've worked at in a number of different capacities at a number of different places and institutions and yep. has it kind of all coalesced into your position here is it sort of you're doing a bit of everything it, now? It, uh, ending up in uh, education was my longtime mm -hmm. end goal um, my like short-term goals I wanted to be a resident scenic designer and so I did I was able to do that and for three and a half years I was the resident scenic designer for MCT in Midland Texas mm -hmm. Um, phenomenal theater there, um, amazing resources. Uh, it was it was a really a lot of fun. Um, but after I left there, I did a little bit with independent film, and then um, the position became available here. I actually took a staff position, uh, just building the sets and uh, being a designer in TD mm -hmm. um, back when we were a one man technical department. Mm. Um, wow. 
And then uh, I uh, proposed creating this degree track for the AES program, and that went through uh, the same year that I became a full-time professor. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. sort of like a lot. It was a win-win for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that, that's, that's amazing that you've been able to slowly, you know, build your build your own skill set as you have worked with, you know, productions, and, and now you're here, and we're so happy that you're here. I'm sure, you. I'm sure all of our listeners out there um, are happy that someone like yourself is here putting on the productions. I mean, we're here to talk about Dracula a little bit. Absolutely. Too. Dracula and the case of the silver screen. Uh, it's a, an adaptation of the classic Dracula story in which um, it's basically uh, transposed onto a uh, film noir detective uh, movie. Um, so they're, they're, the plot is basically, and then they're filming a set that gets interrupted by um, uh, the crazy guy, Renfield, basically. Uh-huh. Um, but it's all your normal characters, like you have Van Helsing, and he's the detective. You have Jonathan Harker. He's actually the director of the movie in this setup. So there's there's little spin-offs, but for the most part, uh, it, it is the Dracula story. There are some surprises, mm-hmm. which I will not reveal. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun being set in the film noir quality um, because that's that's just such a dramatic, unused form now. And, you know, really, really bright, bright lights and then really dark, dark shadows. Huh. Um, we're getting to pull out a lot of the stops. We've co- collaborated with Kurt Morris here uh, over at the ATC uh, to use their CNC routers to do a lot of intricate detail work. So it's going to be one of our more detailed sets that we've had in a while as far as that goes. Um, and we're getting to pull out all the stops. We're going to have a working water fountain. We also have a, a low-lying ground fog that can Ooh. absolutely flood the entire building with low-lying creepy fog. Oh, so lots of fun special effects stuff to get into, too. Wow, yeah, that just sounds like a, like a very immersive experience. Yes. For, for students. <laughs> I love that, the, and I'm not familiar with 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 this adaptation or with this version of, of the tale, but uh, I like that container, that story sort of within a story. Yep. Um, I feel like that provides some some moments of like meta <laughs> uh, critiquing or just meta acting or. Um, well, the the actors really had to uh, take a look at some of the old film noir movies. Um, if I could think of a, a few, I would name some, but. Uh, we've all heard the, you know, the dame walked into my office and I knew right away I was in trouble. The narrative with the shadow of Venetian blinds hitting you in the yeah. face. I mean, that is the, the style and, and the speech patterns that they use. So it's, really it's pretty cool. exciting. That's fun. Um, yeah, I mean, how are you all feeling in terms of being a few weeks a few weeks out to, to showtime? I feel like I have a few weeks to get 50% of my work done. <laughs> uh, <I'm laughs> they're always... Uh, up to the last minute, especially when it's, it is uh, this much scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, it called for two stories, so we've got two big stories. We've got uh, two curved banister handrails, which wow. anytime you add in a curve to something, you're, you're taking the normal time and multiplying it by about five to six, seven times longer just to get the curves done. Okay. Um, so we, we, we definitely set ourselves some challenges, um, but we're, we're pushing through. I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. now. <laughs> Sounds so exciting. and. Yeah, I would imagine that the the actors themselves and actresses are they're maybe sort of feeling that uh, that light coming as well. Oh yeah, well. yeah, I'm sure they have. Uh, they're excited to to be able to get on the set. Um, it hasn't been safe for them to get on yet. You've got to get your safety railing uh-huh. up and all that kind of stuff. So, 
uh, this will be the first week that they can get up onto the second levels. Beautiful. So that'll be cool. Oh, wow. That, that's really exciting. All of those developments just sound <laughs> exciting to me. A lot of work, I'm sure. A lot of work. Um, and so kind of just to keep keep the subject on, on the upcoming production, um, aside from these, these incredible set features and, and pieces, is there is there an aspect to the story or, or something about the shape of the story that you think um, a GCSE student is going to find engaging? Um, I know that's a really general question, but is there, yeah, like a teaser or something like that that you could you could put out? I mean, I think the set design that's piqued my interest right. enough as it is, um, and I know you don't want to spoil anything related to the story, but uh, there are edible body parts. <laughs> so that's always that's always a, a good one. There's there's oh, lots yeah. of stage blood and some gross stuff just in time for Halloween. Perfect. Um, you know, it's it, what's what's more Halloween than a Dracula story? Yeah. Um, what got me excited about it, aside from the the scenic elements and kind of um, the, the different lighting styles, um, I think really is the framework of the story itself. Um, I've seen Dracula, uh, not not this version, but the actual Dracula. There's a couple versions out there. They're all very uh, pretty, but kind of light on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this one found a really uh, interesting way of taking a story that's hard to translate to the stage uh, because there's so much you need to put in and you've only got a very limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. But since it wraps it in the envelope of this noir detective um, movie, you you kind of already have some things filled in for you, right? Because it's kind of like we're using stock characters to a certain degree as far as giving you instant background. We know who the detective is, right? right? We know who the famous actress is and and that sort of thing. So I think that helps fill in some of the gaps that are missing without that added framework. Um, There's still a a tremendous onus on the actors to bring the characters to life so that they don't come across as stock or flat. Uh But that kind of that slight element, they're not really stock characters, but that slight element of background kind of coming from the stock idea is is really cool. Yeah, I mean, as a a member of the audience, and I will be attending the show on the 30th, I'm so so excited. But to have a little bit of that background, um, just something to... to, to maybe interact with the story a little bit more, but it's still going to be made anew because it's this different version. And there there are slight changes to to this plot and the structure, so some things you might not expect will happen. Uh-huh. And is that, I mean, this is maybe a bad question, but are, are you all um, spearheading any of those changes? Or are you kind of... Uh, selecting them, or is that just part of the the version of this story? The one that the ones that I'm thinking of are are definitely scripted in. Mm-hmm. Um, things happen to some characters that don't normally happen in the regular Dracula uh-huh. story. So there's it's things like that where they they've switched up things here or there. Yeah, I think that helps keep it a little more interesting. So that you you, you come in thinking you know what's going to happen, and you may not. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't like a good surprise? Right. I mean, <laughs> Gosh, I can. I feel like I can see the fog, you know, as well. Um, so I just kind of have one more question for you, and it, it it definitely relates to what we were just talking about, and you, and however you choose to answer it is how you choose to answer it, and so it doesn't have to be specific to the upcoming show, um, but I'm sort of wondering if you could provide some insight, some of your own, you know, personal opinion on this, but. What do Gulf Coast students stand to gain by engaging with visual and performing arts? Um, and either, I mean, really from a participant or a spectator standpoint, I mean, I, I feel like you could think about, uh, you know, 
people that are going to be in the show. But why does the work you do and the events you help put on matter here and now in the fall of 2021? <laughs> um, I think theater has the wonderful ability of actually getting people in the same room together and having a unique shared experience. So when you go watch a live performance, there's always that you're always on the edge of your seat a little bit because something's going to go wrong or could go wrong. So you never have the same performance just mm. based on small incidences like that. But the the audience is far more engaged and you, you get to experience what it's like to collectively have an, a unique experience together. Um, and you can think about that, you know, when everyone sighs at once or, or just, yeah. you know, people start crying all over the place. You don't really get that as much um, when you're sitting behind a television. Right. You know, that kind of, uh, that, that amount of um, bonding, I yeah. guess, with complete strangers. Yeah. Um, I think it's far more emotionally accessible to actually be in the presence of live uh, actors. As to, you know, what, what do we get out of it? I can uh, think of a story where uh, when I was working in Midland, they had a um, volunteer section of about 90 people that would come and volunteer and make this one event happen um, that raised a tremendous amount of money. And uh, this is, Midland is the former oil capital of the nation. So it's a bunch of uh, cowboys and roughneck oil guys. Sure. Um, and uh, they suffer from some of those stereotypical qualities that one might ex- expect, a little, sure. little bit on the racist side and a little bit on the homophobic side and, and that kind of thing. Right. And so we worked on this uh, project together and they had a, a guy named Dan who volunteered there and he's a, a, he has nine and a half fingers because a, a bull ripped one off. Yeah. You know, he's a cowboy and an oil Jeez. guy and yeah. he, he started vo- volunteering there and he was extremely homophobic and just didn't think that he was going to have a good time or be able to um, you know, get involved with all these crazy theater types. And then nine years later, uh, the hairdresser, who is a male and gay, mm-hmm. is now his best friend, and they hang out wow. together. And, you know, it completely changed how he perceived social experiences. And he yeah. tells people, it made me a better person, and I can't believe I was that person that I was. Wow. And that was just by getting involved in, in community theater at that point. So. It, it, it bonds and it brings people together. We as a, a group in general, I mean, artists love to question what's right and what's the norm. And, you know, uh, we can really make a lot of social change through art. And it, art's all about communication, whether it's dance, theater, fo- photography. It's all about communication, mm-hmm. just, just like uh, writing is, right? right? It's the only thing that all art forms share is that we're trying to communicate something. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's really well put. And what a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, and so the hairdresser wasn't even, I mean, they were involved in the productions, but it's not like they were the, the lead role or something no, like that. No. So these people connected. They ended up standing next to each other backstage watching the action a lot and, and became close friends. That's just beautiful. Yeah. I love seeing phobias overcome. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that the, the, right, the, the theater was, was, it seems very fitting, I feel like. It, it is. It is. Traditionally, yeah. we're, we're pretty good in that role. Yeah. I, I, I have to say it's, you know, I write short stories on the side, but I think you know, live performance, theater productions, plays, musicals, like that's, that's my favorite. Um, just because for those, all those reasons you said, and, um, yeah, there's never the same performance, right? It's always different and you can't hit pause either. (laughs) Yeah. There's no pause. And, and, you know, for for me, I've been doing it for a while. So really the most fun shows for me now are where something goes wrong and you're running around trying to fix things without being seen. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where the fun is now. When, right. they, when they go flawlessly, I get, I, you know, you've already seen the show, you know, 
for two weeks every day. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, flawless show can be a little boring from the technical Dang. standpoint. <laughs> wow. No, that's really no. I'm, I'm sure that your ability and your willingness to take on those those hiccups. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that the crew and cast are. Uh, feeling fortunate that, that that's sort of your approach <laughs> and not not I don't know not making it worse or something by by yeah whatever getting tense on your feet problem problem solving it's yeah. it's a it's a good field if you're good at, at thinking on your feet and being creative and adapting things I, so much of of my career whenever I do props is you know finding things like gas station sunglasses that have those little flashy red led lights those are real popular oh. So my prop master had me go out and get some of those when I was uh, learning at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. And he took those out and he ended up paper macheing some coals and making uh-huh. a brazier of burning glowing coals, but he used Whoa. the little flashy LED uh, red lights out of a pair of sunglasses oh to do that. So it's like weird so things. Creative. It lets yeah. you approach uh, life differently and think, how can I adapt that to be some other function? Right. And then you make it even better by using it for this, <laughs> Lots for of this illusion. moment of magic, yep. right? Yeah. Lots of illusion. <laughs> That's just awesome. Um, and so really quick, before before I pull the ripcord here, I, would you mind just stating again the the dates for the performance right. that's we'll, coming up? We'll open on the 29th. Uh, that's a 7 o'clock house open, 7.30 go. Uh, same time for Saturday. There's a Sunday matinee. You can get there at 2 o'clock. And then it'll be those same dates the following weekend. So we're only uh, putting on performances Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Beautiful. Well, I, for one, cannot wait. Um, and Professor Bailiff, I, d- I do want to just thank you again for coming onto the show. Um, as I've mentioned many times now, <laughs> I will I will be at your own show um, here at the end of the month of October. Perfect for, for Halloween. And I, I truly hope all of our listeners consider attending if they weren't already. Um, well, and you can go to gulfcoast.edu forward slash arts and get information on the show as well as all the other things that we're doing, like in the art gallery and tickets. Great. Tickets are free for Gulf Coast students uh, with a student ID. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, you get this uh, great opportunity by just being a student here. So, yeah, go, go, go. Um, so, yeah. And again, thank you, thank you for adding to to the the culture, right? The art scene of here at Gulf Coast State College, and this stuff really does matter. Oh, absolutely, it's my pleasure. All right, well, until next time, Commodores. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Commodore Conversations. This podcast was produced by the talented students of the Digital Media Program at Gulf Coast State College.